What is going on, everybody? We're back with another Sleeper Wire episode, and we're going to start deep diving divisions, breaking them down, seeing who we like, see who we don't like, see who we're fading, reaching for, targeting, and all that good stuff. Of course, I am Natter, and I'm with Australia's number one fantasy analyst. Sheehan, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Had the uh, the COVID jab this afternoon, so I am, as the kids say, vaxxed and waxed, and I am ready to talk about some fantasy football here. So how is your phone internet now? Like, has it, has it gotten specifically better? It's, um, it's weird. There's a lot of interference. I'm worried about next time I go on a flight, whether I'm going to set some sensors off. Um, and if I'm totally honest, my, uh, my hand is Oh, sorry, my arm is quite sore and it's, uh, it, it's, it's got me sort of making a, the rude finger constantly, which ah. I, I'm happy about, but it's going to be an awkward conversation uh, whenever that comes up with someone who's not met me before. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. I'm immune to COVID and constantly flipping people off. In fact, at the moment, it's probably all upside. So, <laughs> hey, you, apparently, apparently you got a new segment for us and now I feel a little jealous and envious. I feel like I need to create a segment. On the fly. I mean, your segment. You t- t- tell me about it real fast. I, I want to hear about this. Well, it's a it's revolutionary in the world of fantasy football. I don't think anything like this has ever been done before. Um, I think it's going to change the fantasy landscape. I think this is like this is like the invention of the forward pass, and then air Coriel, and then all the spread concepts from college football, all in one moment in the podcasting world. Here, it's a segment called Questions Without Notice. It's going to be massive. And what happens is I ask you questions and you give me answers. So, That's crazy. I know. Mind blown, right? Wild, it's, as um, they say. It took me a long time to come up with this. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll workshop it if it goes well. You know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do this again. Maybe we'll do this as a whole episode. Uh, or maybe it'll be a, a sleeper wire exclusive, just like you and me, man. So here we go. It's really one question tonight. Okay. All right. So, I'm with you. It's June 1st yesterday. I got a list of names of potential June 1st cut and trade candidates. Okay, okay. And I want you to tell me how likely these players are to be cut and or traded. Okay. And where they're going. Fair enough. I'm with you so far. Cool. So first cab off the rank, the man himself, Aaron Rodgers. He's traded. Two. Ooh, the Raiders. Ooh, spicy. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Uh, Julio Jones. Traded. Two. Ooh. See, this one's a tough one. I want to see, I personally, I don't want him to go to the Titans. There's too much fantasy value for him to ruin there. Same with the Seahawks. Apparently he's linked there. I don't want him going to the, uh, Seahawks either. Uh, the Niners can't necessarily afford him, so he's kind of off the table there. Uh, he's going to go to some really irrelevant team like the, like the Ravens and just kind of be irrelevant. Yeah. I don't think that's a bad call. I think the Titans are now my favorites. Obviously that's going to kill our man, Josh Reynolds's value. Yeah. That's exactly why I'm talking him up so much, but yeah, exactly. I think it's going to be the Falcons. I, uh, the Falcons, the Titans. I don't see Wade go to the Seahawks. Um, uh, but still holding out a, uh, a hope to get him on the Patriots. Now, number three, Alshon Jeffrey. Cut. I doubt he makes another roster. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh, he'll kick around somewhere. Someone will pick him up and he, it'll be like Des Bryant. He's just there. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Rudolph. I think he stays. Cool. I think he stays. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think he stays too. I don't know what the, I don't think the cap situation's that tight. If they need to resign some people, maybe, but I think he stays too. Now, another actual interesting one, Zach Ertz. I would like for him to stay. I think the Eagles hold his best fantasy value. I think wherever he goes, he'll take a hit. Uh, there aren't too many uh, NFL teams that are actually tight end needy to the point where they take on Zach Ertz's salary. So I think he stays. I think he goes. I don't think he's going to be an Eagle. I don't think he wants to be there. And I don't think the Eagles want to pay him. I actually think he might end up as a bill. Ooh, that's not a bad option. I like Knox. I, I, yeah, I like Knox too, but... Uh... 
I don't know if it's going to be a great landing spot for Ertz, but I think he's going to be in a better position with Allen than he is with um, uh, Jalen Hurts. So I think that would work. i got two more for you in this groundbreaking segment here. Cameron Bright. Cameron Bray. Ooh. Tom Brady likes him. He stays. I think he goes just because of their cap situation. Where, where they don't necessarily him? need him. Uh, I mean, yeah. Howard's going to get hurt. Howard's going to get hurt. There's, there's no if, ands, or buts about it. He's going to get hurt. Yeah, and Gronk's old. I suppose. Yeah. I, I still think he goes. And another one, I think this guy's going to be in Alshon Jeffrey's candidate, uh, category, Jimmy Graham. Is he, is he still on the Bears? Or did they cut him? Uh, he, he appears to be still on the Bears. They don't necessarily have a reason to cut him. Uh, of course, you know, our boy Cole Komet there, he's on that come up. I, I think, uh, just like Ertz. This, I don't think there's a team out there that would take him. I don't think there's a team that's going to take Graham. I think he's more like, uh, yeah, I think he's washed. Even, the, you know, he's not going to go somewhere and be a threat. Like maybe the the Jags, if they're going to wheel out Tebow instead of Jimmy Graham, but he's not going any. Uh, he's uh, he's not getting another job. No, no. If he, if he gets cut, I think he uh, retires. Yeah, I think you're right as well. Well, that's the that's the end of the segment, man. Obviously, that's gone absolutely gangbusters. I no, think that was crazy. See, uh, I know. I think we might see a return of questions without notice. Maybe next time with a theme. Maybe next time with more questions without notice. But uh, so, so I have I think- two now. No, no, I have a question for you. Yeah, far away. Okay, uh, over under. Tom Brady kisses one player on the lips. Oh, over, over, absolutely oh. over. One and a half. It's going we'll to be. It's going to be like a weird helmet to helmet. Like metal kiss, but I think it still counts because the intention will be there. Ah, will there be tongue? <laughs> He's like sick his tongue out. <laughs> I don't think so, but Brady's a big kisser. He calls a lot of people baby too. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I think he's just an affectionate man. And I think in this modern age, it's nice to see affectionate fathers. Okay. Okay. I can give it that. All right. That's fine. I could do I mean, at this point, he's basically everybody's dad in the NFL, considering like half of those people could be his son's age or they are his son's age. Yeah. I mean, there's, I think there's players coming in this year who have, will have been born after Brady started his career. Yeah. Like Trey Lance, for example. Now he is starting tech, technically starting his career. He was, uh, he wasn't even alive when Tom Brady made his NFL debut. It's uh, ridiculous. Yeah. So I, I have now, I created a segment top of my Excellent. head. It was, it's genius. This is a good one too. And it's called the wise words. It's called Natter's wise words. And, uh, <laughs> okay. This is a good, uh, not, not, I have to think of wise words. All right. Here we go. All right. If you're ever getting shot at or you're about to die, just go to the living room because, I mean, it's impossible to die in there. Yeah, I don't think this segment's going to make a comeback. That's like Christmas cracker level bad, man. That's, that's pretty good, huh? Come on. That's a good one. That's – that's yeah, that's something. I'll t- you get I'll tell you, it? In fact, I've, I, I do get it. You get it? It's in the living room. Living yeah, room. Yeah. 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 That, it's huh? like this sort of thing. If you ever, if you ever need to kill someone or anything uh-huh. in a desperate situation, yeah. just cut out its liver. You no. get it? Oh, not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. See, not bad. Yeah. No, yeah, living, no. living room was better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure Nada's words of wisdom will be making an appearance, but I tell you what, I'm open to anything. It's the off season. No, that, I, th- I thought that was pretty good. We're going to have to continue that one for next week. <laughs> right. Well, the last couple of weeks we've been doing, uh, n- sort of themed around some members of the NFL Hall of Fame. And of course, in this class is the legendary Steve Sable, the founder of NFL films or the founder along with his dad of NFL films. So it's a special treat to all our listeners who haven't switched off after Natter's joke about being in the living room. Still a good this one. This is my impression of the DNO promo on NFL films. <clears throat> They call it fantasy football. It's the game that's played in homes, dorms, and offices all around the world. Fathers and daughters, 
mothers and sons. That strange guy who you used to work with, with your cousin, who you never participate in the group chat. A game that either lets you pick your favorite players and lose, or has you actively rooting against your team on Sundays. And in Canton, Ohio, birthplace of the National Football League, home to the hallowed halls in which the game's legends are immortalized in bronze, and home to the massive guy who works there, is the Fantasy Football Expo. And the day before it, Saturday, the 14th day of August, join us for this game that we call Fantasy Football at Draft Night Out. In exchange for 30 American dollars, you will receive entry into a live draft for this game we call Fantasy Football. Like so many heroes of yesteryear, you'll also receive an exclusive t-shirt and chances to win signed memorabilia from the Giants of the Gridiron. If you want to join this event we call Draft Night Out, head to draftnightout.com for more information. Buy your tickets or I'll be back with more of my bad John Fassender impression next week on this show that we call Sleepawire. Draft Night Out is brought to you by Sleepawire, Eat Sleep Fantasy, Draft Party USA, and Prestige Sports Memorabilia. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Right, Nana, let's deep dive into the AFC North. I'm itching to talk about those four teams from, well, I guess the North. Wow, no way. The North of the AFC. That's, that's fun. I love that hype right there. That was almost as hype as your phenomenal promo. Speaking of, I actually, like, uh, for all the people that couldn't weigh the enormous line of people that want to see me there, that I, I can't imagine that it's a small line. It's probably a huge, gigantic, a girthy line out there to come out and see me it, unfortunately i will not be there my older brother decided to get married on those dates and uh like like selfish i what a loser who would do such a thing well i tell you what a real loser wouldn't do is get married at the fantasy football expo he could have his his uh what do you call it a bucks night st- bachelor party uh at, at draft night out and uh and then roll into you know, roll into the next day live it up live it up with the big names of the fantasy world you know i think kick, kick your marriage off like that start as you mean to go on and and if she's not with it then she's just not the one i, I don't know what to tell you there well gonna be honest man waivers that's where you that's where you win oh true 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 hey that the wedding is the draft the waivers is farther along you know hey you're thinking now hey I like how That's this it, goes. Man. How, yeah. how much fab you spending on it? <laughs> on your waiver, <laughs> all of it. <laughs> no, it's good. Congratulations okay. to your brother. It's a shame you won't be there. I also have a family event uh, that day. I have a cousin who is graduating from Penn State, so we yeah, are uh, loser. We'll be celebrating that on the uh, the other side of the country. But um, uh. get along, get along to the Fantasy Football Expo, and certainly get along to Draft Night Out. Even though your two favorite podcast hosts won't be there, you'll probably have an even better time with that. No, I doubt it. Without my, without my words of wisdom and hilarious dad jokes, I don't know how anybody could have fun. But all right, let's go to the Bengals. Let's start <laughs> recapping now because they're one of the more interesting teams out coming up on the come up. I mean, four and 11 and one last year. Can't forget that tie. And I mean, you would think that they have a pretty explosive offense, but no, they were 29th ranked in offense, 27th ranked in the passing game, 24th ranked in the run game. And what's super interesting is that, I mean, of course, them being 29th ranked offense, they supported three wide receivers last year. I mean, Tia Higgins had 108 targets. Tyler Boyd had 110 targets. AJ Green had 104 targets. So it's not like targets was the issue. There was enough of the ball to go around for every everybody uh, it, for some reason it just didn't translate into yardage into stats into fantasy points which is i don't want to say a concern but 
I, I, I would gonna look, I'm gonna look at the glass half full and see all the potential there. I don't know how you're thinking about that. Well, I think the targets are fair because they're playing from behind a lot and without um, a. Well, they didn't have Joe Mixon to rely on for large parts of the season as well. So really, their game sort of lived and died by the success of their receivers. And you know, so many, so many times when I was doing my stats, like at AJ Green, 104 targets for 47 catches. That he he looked washed, man. That I think that was part of it. But you know, they had all these opportunities and they just weren't converting. As as good as Higgins looked, as good as um, Tyler Boyd is consistently, there was a lot of contested catches there guys just not getting open it's a big concern of mine with Higgins is you know as as Burrow continues to develop is he still going to be struggling to get away from his defender I mean usually as long as, long as you're coming down with those 50 50 balls then it's not necessarily a worry but you need to have a quarterback that can actually put the court put put the ball in a position for you to make a play and I mean of course the biggest question everyone's going to be asking is how is Joey Burrow doing without his or with his knee injury I should say yeah I mean that's a a big injury for anyone to come back from, let alone a rookie, and let alone one that's not really going to have much better line in front of him this year. I think that was part of the problem with the passing game is Burrow had a defender or two in his face almost, I think it was under pressure 24% of the time when he threw. And that's fine when you're Ben Roethlisberger or someone like that who's played the game for a long time and, and is comfortable with that. But when you're a rookie quarterback making your way in the world with a pretty... Uh, pretty anemic offense around you, or at least lacking those weapons that you might like, then you are going to struggle. So you know, it's it's a long way back from that knee injury, but they need to do everything they can to, to set him up to succeed at the same time. And there's probably a, a level of patience required with him that NFL fans are, are not renowned for at the moment. I mean, Joe Burrow he threw for 2,600 yards last year. It's not bad. It's not horrible. Of course, he got hurt halfway through. That definitely could have been an elevated number. But the issue is, is their running game. And their non-existent running game. Joe Mixon, in six games, had 428 yards. It's not, it's not good. It's not sustainable of an offense to be able to do so. And Joe Mixon, in my opinion, while he's completely underrated, he's unsustainable as a running back to have, especially in redraft and dynasty. He's definitely somebody I'm trying to push away for somebody else. I mean, he has not started a full season. He's always injured, even when he's playing semi-unproductive. I don't feel like they've made too much or if any type of impact in order to help him out. They've just added wide receivers. You need an offensive line and you need a scheme rattled around your running back. I just don't feel like there's that one there. Mixon sort of burned me a little bit last year because I traded for him, expecting him to come back from injury. The Bengals had a really soft uh, running back schedule to finish the year. Um, this is before Burrow went down. I thought, oh, you know, Mixon's... I, I like him. I think he's a, a genuine RB1. I think he's one of the few cheap three-down backs you can get who can potentially get 20, 25 carries a week. Uh, you're right, he can't stay on the field, but that's that's exactly what happened last year as I traded for him. I, I held him most of the season, just being like, well, this guy's going to be in my team in the playoffs. And in the end, I think I basically carried him. So, well, I've, I've paid for him. It, it wasn't a hell of a lot. I think it was like Jamison Crowder plus. But yeah, Mixon, I think he gets so much disrespect from people. He's an excellent player when he's there, but he had the same issues as Burrow. The line couldn't block for him. And... You know, he wasn't in a, a scheme that was going to be conducive to him doing well. Um, I think they need to get him out in space, use him a bit more as a pass catcher, and not just run him into guys who are going to hit him in the backfield. Yeah, you're completely right there. They need to use him as a pass catcher. The problem is, is they drafted a pass catcher. So it's not like he even has that role to himself. He lost that role. There's somebody else there for him. He is a two-down back, officially. I 
don't. I'm not concerned about Chris Evans or uh, or even Puka Williams as that third down guy. Obviously, with Geo out of the picture, that is a role for someone because Travion Williams and and Samaj P Ryan they aren't that third down guy. So that's that's a role they need. But I still think most of the time it's going to be Joe Mixon as that that third down back with occasionally. I mean, Puka Williams is a, a satellite back. We're talking like he's not quite um, a Darren Sproles, but he's not far off. Yeah, right now. Uh as I try to regain my train of thought, is it? Did I distract you by talking about Puka Williams? Yeah, uh, that name. I mean, I like the name. I just disregard him as a good running back. So, or, uh, or did I distract you? Distract you talking about Chris Evans, and you're like, Captain America plays <laughs> yeah, for the kind of. Yeah, not gonna lie, a little bit. You, you see, somebody says Chris Evans. That's my first thought. But I mean, like they have three wide receivers, and those are going to be the ones to target. I think in redraft, you 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 don't want. Joe Mixon. Let somebody else make that mistake and take him. And you go for somebody else. Mixon's the RB15 at the moment in ADP. It's the 2-3 turn. I I don't know. I If I had two premium wide receivers as my first two picks, I could live with Mixon as my RB1. I wouldn't be happy about it, but I could go... I. I could talk myself into that. You could talk yourself into that, but then when he's injured on your IR spot or when he has a bad matchup, you have to think about it. Look at his division. Cleveland Browns, good against the run. Baltimore Ravens, phenomenal defense. Steelers, they still have a good defense. It's not like he's going to be filled with good matchups. He has eight bad matchups a year. Yeah, and I'm, you're I'm concerned about that. that. I'm concerned about that for all the Bengals though, man. That's This is a tough division. And yeah, they should be better, but they're going to be playing from behind in the in these divisional games. Like, exactly. There's, there's no way around it, really. And you can have Jamar Chase, you can have T. Higgins, and you can have Tyler Boyd all you like, but like the opportunity is going to be there. But they're, they're playing games against good teams and they are, like the Bengals are going to be t- picking in the top five again next year. I wouldn't be surprised. And I think we're going to see whether... Joey Burrow is going to be that quarterback or not. And the problem is, is, is they're going to be playing from behind. They're going to have receivers taking up targets, soaking up targets, soaking up catches. But there, there's nobody to hang your hat on either. This, I mean, it could be T. Higgins. It could be Tyler Boyd. It could be Jamar Chase. So you, you don't know. They're all wide receiver twos at the moment right now. They're all startable in your fantasy lineup and you feel pretty comfortable with them starting in your lineup. But I, I, there's nobody to go out and get. You're, you're, it's basically a lottery ticket. I think Higgins is overrated, man. And I don't mean that because I think he's a bad player. I just think there's too much love for him at the moment. People looking at what he did. The guy can't get open. He's the wide receiver 23 in ADP at the moment. He's going in the sixth, seventh round. That's ahead of Chase, who's the seventh, eighth round. But like, I think Tyler Boyd's still going to be their main guy. He's going to be playing in the slot. Yeah, Chase has got that connection with Burrow, but I, th- I think it's going to be Boyd who's getting a lot of those targets. And I'll take him if gun to my head any any day of the week if i'm not in the living room gun to my head uh good point good wide point receiver 32 tyler boyd give me him in the eighth ninth round no, tyler um, boyd's gonna be the one you like having to mortgage your house and and sell your firstborn and cut out a kidney to get higgins in dynasty leagues like he's fine but people are paying up for him like he's an elite receiver and i don't see it and now he's likely to be the second fiddle to chase for most of his career and sure i think boyd's going to be out of there at the end of this season but i just don't see it with higgins right now because they're all on the same level you should just go with the cheapest one because it's exactly what they are that they're all not necessarily high tier so you might as well go for the lowest tier. it's kind of like the rams about two three years ago with brandon cooks cooper cup robert woods they they were all producing at wide receiver two to wide receiver one uh, rankings so you might as well go with the one with the lowest adp because they're also going to produce at the same level sure one of them is going to have their game one of them is going to have the two touchdown game the hundred yard game but at, at 
throughout the year, they're going to have the same fantasy point production. So you go with the cheapest one and then fill the void of the others in between. Yeah, and those middle-round guys, like these can make or break your team at the draft as well. If you hit on someone who ends up being a wide receiver one or even a wide receiver one for his team, I mean, you don't want players who are going to be splitting targets each week. You end up with the New England uh, backfield. Like, yeah, they had a 100 targets go between their receivers last year. You know why? Because none of them could catch, and they were having to throw on second, first down, second down, third down. Like, if the offense starts rolling, those opportunities aren't going to be there. They're still going to be playing from behind, but they're not going to get the target on third down because they convert the second down. I, I don't see it happening. I totally agree with you, and you just go the cheapest guy. And in fact, I think Tyler Boyd is probably a buy in Dynasty Leagues. Oh, yeah. As I say, I think he's out of here at the end of uh, this season. I think you can probably get him for maybe a, a, a late second or, or even a future second. And he's a he's a pretty reliable receiver. I'd rather see him on my my roster if I'm competing than I, I don't know Diami Brown. Why would, like why would you why would you want him in comparison to Tyler Boyd? I don't get it. Uh, I would rather see him on my roster than my opponent's roster starting against me. That is definitely for sure. So I mean to recap the Bengals, in my opinion. Let somebody else make the mistake. Let somebody else take Joe Mixon. I'm not doing it. I'll take anybody else but Joe Mixon. I will take a, you know, like Travis Kelsey over him. I will take Darren Waller over him. I'll take, I'll take Patrick Mahomes over him. I'll take Lamar Jackson over him. I'll, t- I'll take a lot of people before I even consider taking Joe Mixon. Wide receivers, Tyler Boyd's going to be the guy. You target Tiger Boyd, Ty- not Tiger Woods, Tyler Boyd. He's going <laughs> to, he has the proven history. He has the proven stats to say, Hey, I'm the guy here. You should go with him. Especially because he had the most targets on the team and he, he missed the game compared to everybody else on the roster. So he has even more opportunity to excel. Yeah, he's uninspiring. He's just a, a good solid NFL player. He's just player, there. As you say, he's, he's the, ch- yeah, he's there. Um, and you know, as much as I love Jamar Chase, I'd rather miss on Chase in redraft than reach on him and get, and get nothing this season when, uh, when there's so much confusion around it. I do but- have a question for you though, man. Okay. Okay. Before we, uh, before you launch into your next question. All right. You're a big kicker guy. We know that. And okay. the Bengals picked the first kicker. In fact, you think he might have been the only kicker who went on draft day. Evan McPherson, 51 of 60 on field goals and 149 of 150 on extra points in college. Where are you taking him? Ooh. You know, I'm, I'm the type of person to reach, especially in a redraft league. I'm the type of person to reach on a kicker. I'll take the best kicker on the board. I'll take the best defense on the board. Cause I mean, they put up fantasy points. You take fantasy points where you can. Uh, I mean, him, I, I, I wouldn't take him. I wouldn't take him. You go for a Justin Tucker first. I would go for a Justin Tucker, uh, a Robert, uh, glasses boy, young Hoku. Roberto Blankenship. Yeah. He's, he's just glasses boy to me. And that, you know, young Hoku, you go for the high flyers, the ones that, you know, the offense is going to at least put you in field goal range. Yeah. Evan McPherson is the, uh, the kicker 29 at this point. He's, uh, he's down there with big ass Tyler Bass. To and, be fair, uh, he yeah. has a lot of potential. I mean, that offense, has firepower. It's going to move across the field. They have tough matchups, meaning it might be difficult scoring or putting the ball inside the end zone or even getting into the red zone. It might be difficult. So he might have a lot of opportunities to kick deep field goals. What did Randy Bullock here? He was 21 of 26 last year. Austin Siebert was... Well, in fact, here we go. I could look at the line below and it'll tell me all of them. Bengals kickers were 27 of 30 last year and 32 of 33 on extra points. That's not getting it done. That's not getting it done. No, no, no. I mean, granted, they were missing their quarterback for uh, ten or seven games, I believe, or six games actually, as I look at it right now. So, 
yeah, there's yeah. definitely potential gone, potential missed for all the wide receivers, for everybody. And I, uh, I know Joe Mixon, he it looked like he got held out because it was a losing season. But I mean, if that, if it's a consistent story and it's going to consistently happen where they hold out RBs on the season's losing, uh, not comfortable. I'm going to throw out two names for you that we've talked about earlier. Kyle Rudolph and Zach Ertz. I think either of them would slot nicely into this team. There's no tight end there at the moment. And, you know, I don't think either of them are going to be a fantasy force there. But that would be a nice, solid receiver for Joe Burrow to rely on down the seam. And two guys who can block well. And as we've talked about, he's going to need that protection. Drew Sample, he looked like a little bit of an up-and-coming tight end that people had their eye on. But I believe he tore his ACL halfway through the year. Or one of them tore his ACL, unfortunately. uh, His name is CJ Uzama. Uzama. He had a cool name. I just remember a cool name. Possibly uh, could have been Kethan Carter, who I can see played 15 games at tight end for them last year. Sure, he's a blocking guy. Oh, we like our blockers. But all right. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. I think an Earth's type of receiving tight end could definitely fit in that system. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, two two questions here as well. Okay. I'll, okay. Leave, I'll, I'll leave you on. I say right. leave you on before we move on to the Browns, unless you've got any other questions without notice as, as our, per our segment. Okay. okay. Is Zach Taylor going to be the coach of the Bengals next year? If they have a top five pick, no, he will not be the court, uh, coach. And well, okay. Over under six wins in this new 17 game season for the Bengals. Under. You reckon they're, they're six and 11 or worse or, or even five and five and 12 or worse? Yeah, like, I, I look at the division, I, I don't see them winning any games. It, it'll take, you know, just one of those fluke games or one of those any given Sunday games for them to beat anybody in the division. They knocked off, um, Pittsburgh last year with one of those, uh, ham and eggers at quarterback, so. Yeah, but, you know, that was one of those little Corvette, Corvette juju games. I don't think that happens That's, again. I think they go over, and I'll tell you why. I'm just looking at their schedule here. They play okay. the Jaguars. They play oh, the Lions. Oh, they play okay. the Jets. Okay, they play no, the right. Raiders. They play the Broncos. Uh-huh. And, uh, that, that's probably, I think, and then I think they're a chance to pinch one against a division team. Plus, like, they're, they're a crack against the Bears. I think they're probably a go against the Vikings. They might not stay with them the entire game, but like, stranger things have happened. Okay. All right. I see it. I see where you're going with this. I see where you're going. But. Yeah. And the uh, 49ers. Little- they can chalk that one up. Ooh, that's just mean. I don't like that one at all. <laughs> all right, so the now the Browns. The Browns, the doo-doo Browns. I mean, they're a little bit of an interesting team because they finished 11-5. I mean, they, they scored 14 in points, 24th in passing, 3rd in rushing, phenomenal rushing team. Oh, yeah. And they strongly improve their defense, and they continually improve on their defense. I mean, it, it, it's something to keep an eye on, and if they can improve on it, they could be Super Bowl contenders. I mean, they, they almost knocked off the Chiefs. They had the Chiefs. Uh, they let them off the hook. Yeah, they they are the Chiefs were who they thought they were. Exactly, they let them off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Nick Chubb, a thousand yard rusher. He's gonna get his touchdowns, double digits in the touchdowns. Had twelve last year. Definitely see him doing it again. Kareem Hunt, he, he's an RB too. Uh, believe it or not, I'll take Kareem Hunt over Joe Mixon. I don't. They're certainly going around that same. Oh, actually, no, one hundred percent. I would. I, on the clock, I wouldn't take Hunt over Mixon. Uh, I've got Hunt here as the RB24. That's the sixth, seventh round. That's rude value. If it, if it was my second running back, if I, again, if you go, let's say you go a premium running back early, you stack those middle rounds, maybe it's super flex, you take a couple of quarterbacks and then you, you, you pat it out with some less than exciting receivers. Kareem Hunt in the sixth, seventh round. Yes, please. I um I just traded for him in a dynasty league. I got Hunt and I think a future second and, and maybe some other steak knives thrown in for James Robinson. I was like, all day, man. All day. Yeah, I mean, Kareem Hunt, you know he's going to get touches. 
you know he's going to get red zone looks because you know the offense can get into the red zone. They got OBJ. He's coming back. I don't know how effective he's going to be, but that offense knows how to work the ball down the field. They know how to run the ball. Everybody's going to get looks. Everybody's going to get touches. touches. They spread the ball around to the wide receivers, to the running backs. It's a solid offense to hang your hat on. As a fantasy owner, yeah, I um I totally agree with what you're saying about that rushing. It was at the 2019 season where the 49ers basically just ran the ball down everyone's throat in the playoffs. That's what I think Kevin Stefanski wants to do. I think there's going to be a game where like he's going to be achieving trumescence on the sideline because he's running the ball on first and second down. He's getting five or six yards per play, and he's not having to throw the ball. And like Baker Mayfield, I think this is a pretty good quarterback. He's got Jarvis Landry there. I, I really want Odell Beckham to, to be back to the Odell who blew us off the park as a rookie because the NFL is just better with him playing well. But I think Stefanski is happy to, to have Baker Mayfield hand the ball off 35 times a game and, and the Browns just churn it out. Another, uh, podcaster, he was on here a while ago in the name of Peter. We always kind of joke at each other and mess around with each other. Uh, we had the discussion of is OBJ worth a second rounder in Dynasty? I said no. I don't think he's even worth a second rounder at this point. And he, he said he wouldn't give him, give him up for anything less than a first. Uh, this was before he tore his ACL. And then afterwards we had a conversation. And he goes, yeah, maybe I think you're right at this point. Uh, but I do want to say, to close it out the statement, I, I don't think he's worth much anymore. I've struggled to buy him for a second. I was trying before the draft. I, I was like, well, my, my picture at the back of the second, I'll take Odell. I'll take the upside there because he's a free. And people just aren't selling. Like, I think there are people, the people who own Beckham still are the people who've owned him from when he was a premium asset. And they, they either gave up a lot to get him in a trade or they drafted him early. And they're not willing to part ways. I don't think the NFL is willing to part ways with this way. I think he's played, I don't think he's ever played a full season yet. He's He hasn't. Still considered one of the, the premium receivers in the league because of look at what he does when he's on the field. Like that's hard to give up. I would rather have that player sitting on my roster not playing than potentially a second rounder and him playing somewhere else. Well, people gave up so much for him, whether you traded for him or you drafted him in the first round of your dynasty, uh, startup at the time. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not worth it for you to trade him for so little considering you had to give up so much for him at that point you might as well just keep him and hope he kind of regains some of that form so i mean i completely yeah, understand yeah, thanks, it man. that's exactly what i just said see see uh, <laughs> hey I, I just summarized it that's what i do you know when you write like an english essay and it need to be a thousand words and you're at the cusp of like 900 so you just kind of rephrase everything hoping for it that's what i just did yeah, I like it. Yeah, that's it, what I do. I'll give you, give you a couple of names here the, in redraft. So Odell Beckham is the wide receiver 31 at the moment. It's the eighth, ninth round. So he's going later than, um, or in fact, he's going exactly uh, a spot higher than Tyler Boyd at the moment. I'll say, would you rather Odell Beckham or DJ Shark? DJ Shark. He has more upside. Or Beckham or Cortland Sutton. Ooh. Uh, both coming off ACLs, aren't they? Yeah. Okay, I'll go with OBJ. Got some names ahead of here. Would you rather Beckham or Tyler Lockett? Odo Beckham. Tyler Lockett, he, he's too boomer bust, but busts more than booms. Oh, ooh, here you go. One of your boys, Brandon Ayuk. Give me Brandon Ayuk. Fair I, enough. I trust the offense. I trust, okay, for this one, I trust the coaching staff more than I trust the player. Yep. And the yeah, divisions. And the division. Well, both of them have a good division, but the C, the, the Cardinals have a weak secondary and so do the Seattle. So. Well, the Rams have a phenomenal one. The other two are a little bit spotty at times. What about Landry? What are you doing with him? 
He's a guy I always liked. I've I've got a soft spot for him because I had a very successful season with... It would have been his last season in Miami and they were just force-feeding him targets. Yeah, he's kind of like the Tyler Boyd of the Browns. You know, he's just there. He's not the biggest name. Exactly. So he's there. He's productive. Nothing fancy, nothing phenomenal, but he's there and he's productive. You like him. Jarvis Landry or Brandon Cooks? Ooh, give me Cooks. You know Cook is going to get a thousand yard season, and he's going to do it under the radar. Actually, well, because it's on the Texans. If Deshaun Watson plays, I'll take Brandon Cooks. If he doesn't, give me Landry. You could theoretically get both. How's my maths here at the moment? Not that good. Um, you could get them both at the ninth, tenth turn. I think that would be a nice little double tap there to give yourself like a nice bench with guys who have a solid floor and a, a pretty decent ceiling. Yeah. I, I, well, I mean, at that point, they'll kind of be more depth players, like you said. I'm hoping that you took some wide receiver points earlier in the draft. I mean, you might have the so the hoarding strategy. I really like the strategy. I highly recommend it. And it's just take any running back you possibly can, considering in a redraft league, they just become extremely valuable if somebody else's running back gets injured. And you just kind of have it, you just kind of have the whole platoon. You can kind of just leverage everybody and just taking all their phenomenal wide receiver ones. And you can really come up as a running back holder there. But yeah, they would be good depth pieces. Yeah, I'd happily take them. I'm the, the same. I would rather have them on my bench with a couple of high upside of players early, knowing that they're going to be there. Um, there were some interesting additions to their team at the draft, I thought. Anthony Schwartz is a guy we've talked about before on the pod as um, the guy from the Mighty Ducks 2 who can skate fast and do nothing else. I'm excited to see what he can do. I don't think he's ever going to develop into a premium receiver uh, or even potentially someone that you can have on your fantasy team. But I think this is a... We're looking at maybe the next Cordaro Patterson here or, or a Devin Hester type, a, a premium return man. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean... It- Field positions, everything, and that just means more carries for Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb. That's what I'm for. He's um he's a guy you might want to look at in best ball drafts, or if you're a DFS guy, he's going to be a cheap guy, and he's the sort of guy who will they'll they'll get the ball in his hand on screens and swing passes and these sorts of things, and he's liable to score provided he catches it, which is no guarantee. Well, I mean, um, when you have the name of Shorts, uh, come on, man. He, he's going to use the shorts and he'll be a phenomenal receiver for whoever or whatever type of route <laughs> fancy he puts him on. He'll, he'll do it perfectly and phenomenally. I think uh, he's going to be like a little Deshaun Jackson. He's going to be running those deep posts, go routes, hit him with a play action, run, 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 play action, get those safeties pushed back. I think that's going to be the majority of his role. He has Olympic speed. He broke the world record for the 100 meter sprint when he was a teenager. Not like the, the world, but like the age record or whatever. Not bad. But, I'm impressed. Yeah. He's, he's quick. Can't catch it, but. Gee whiz, he's quick. And the other guy that interested me that they picked was Dimitri Felton. I think we've talked about him before as a as a hybrid. He was drafted as a running back. He went to the uh, the senior bowl as a running back. I think he's probably going to develop more into a slot receiver. But I think he's not that much worse than Kadarius Tony. And given the Browns got him at pick two eleven instead of wherever the Giants picked up Tony, I think this is a pretty good pick by the Browns and a guy that is worth watching for fantasy. Um, again, in in deeper leagues, dynasty leagues, he's he's a guy I want on my roster. PP. Yeah, like he's a pass catching machine. If if Hunt misses times, I, I think he's going to be there. There are B two. I mean, uh, right now you have Jarvis Landry's, you have Odell Beckham as wide receivers. I mean, depending on where he gets listed on the depth chart, if he ends up as a running back or a wide receiver, realistically. Rashad Higgins, he, he was kind of disappointing last year. He had the chance to really pick up a wide receiver two role and he kind of didn't really do anything with the opportunity. And I, I feel like this might be them trying to figure out a replacement for him because now with OBJ back, they need a wide receiver three. I think, um, I'm just looking up his game logs last year. I'm sure there were games where he was startable because yeah, so the, 
the week 12, week 13, he had six for 95 and a touchdown, then six for 68 and a touchdown. But you're right, he didn't really establish himself. He had a 100-yard game earlier in the season against Cincinnati, but they're, they're disappointing. and They need a wide receiver three, and I think I think it's going to be Donovan Peoples-Jones. He was exciting. He's the sort of athletic outside player who's a good complement to Landry in the slot or, or Odell in the slot. Um, he's a different sort of prospect. I think Higgins is a bit samey for some of those guys around, and, that, and that's why I think Schwartz is exciting as well something to open up the field give baker some different looks bit of play action like you say and i think people's jones is that guy with with high upside he's probably someone to monitor in redraft um but i've seen him on waivers in dynasty leagues not for long because i i tend to scoop him up because i think he's uh i think he's the real deal yeah odell beckham he's gonna play 10 games or, or, or over and under 10 games. I mean, he's going to be missing at least half the season last year. He only played seven and it's just an unfortunate fact. A lot of people, some people, they don't want to lay, label people as injury prone considering they're all kind of freak accidents, never really intended to happen, but they just happen and they consistently happen to the same people in the NFL. And it, whether it's your play style, you, you know, you're just throwing yourself at people, whether you're just not big enough to be able to support the hits or, you, you know, you're playing too agile for your own body. Uh, unfortunately, OBJ just finds an act to get injured and uh you, you the team has to prepare for it same reason why the Niners drafted a quarterback they need to prepare for when Jimmy Garoppolo eventually inevitably gets hurt and unfortunately you need a backup that actually can step up and play in the position 100% that was my concern as you said about Higgins he had that chance and didn't really step up exactly. there has to be someone else who can catch the ball here you know Landry's Landry but you know Baker Mayfield needs help he's a good quarterback but you can't as much as they just want to run the ball you need to be able to to pass the ball we've seen that with the Ravens we're going to talk about that in a bit is you you need people who can catch the ball and if you're gonna like baker mayfield i think is he's coming up to is this his fifth year in the league so he's on his last year of his rookie rookie contract he's playing for his life if he's you know not if he's let's say let's talk about the dalton line if he's around that dalton line then the browns are going to be going is he our guy? We thought this is the savior. Are we going to end up back in the days of that um, that Browns jersey with all the names on the back? Well, right now, he, I, I think the Browns will gladly take the way Baker plays, considering what they've had over the past few years. Uh, I mean, I would like them to get Austin Hooper a whole lot more involved. He only had 70 targets last year, four touchdowns. That needs to double in production. Maybe not, you know, 140 targets, but I mean, I want to see his touchdowns around the 7-8 mark. I want to see at least 100 targets on him. I want to see 80 receptions. I want to see 900 yards receiving. Basically, an almost double intake in yards, targets, touchdowns. That was bad business signing him for that much money and then mm-hmm. not using him. Like, if you're gonna, they ended up drafting Harrison Bryant, who's quite good. And there, here's another uh, injured guy, David Njoku. So they threw to their tight ends, quick maths, 130 times last year, and they scored between the eight touchdowns. Like, that's a pretty good return if that's one player. But you're paying Hooper all this money, Njoku will be out of there. Uh, but Bryant's, like Bryant, showed more than enough for them to be probably not shopping Hooper this year, but but this will be his last year in Cleveland, and he will want to prove that he's worth the money they paid him, and that he's worth another team paying up for him as well. Exactly. So, in conclusion, Kareem Hunt, Chubb, their targets. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Landry, is, targets. Is Nick Chubb a first-round running back for you? Oh, you feel yeah, back yeah. into the first round? Yeah, yeah. What's, yeah, what's his ADP the, here? The, the problem is, is especially in redraft, there's not too many good options, especially at running back. What, what, once you hit on like the Derrick Henry, McCaffrey, Kamara, and then Cook, there's a steep drop off on talent. I don't even know if he gets to the back end. I mean, if you're in half point, full point PPR, yeah, you could settle with wide receivers, but you still need to put somebody in the running back position. And 
you need good running backs at some point. You know, you can always pick up a wide receiver that'll suffice in the mid rounds to the early, you know, the early mid rounds in between the fourth and fifth round. But uh, uh, you, you can't get running backs that late. I think in one QB redraft, we might see eight running backs off the board in a lot of leagues to start yeah. the draft. Do you mean I'll, I'll run through the names now? You got McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara. I, I should say, stop me if there's anyone here that you would rather chub than. Okay. Okay. McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, Derek Henry, uh, Saquon, Jonathan Taylor, Ezekiel Elliott. No, I take Chubb after, after Derek Henry. Uh, I will take him before. Sorry. Can you repeat that list? Yep. So McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, Henry. Okay. And then Barkley. No, I'll take Chubb before Barkley. Chubb over Jonathan Taylor. Yes. And Chubb over Zeke. Zeke's a guy I think might slip to the back of first rounds, and I want that value. I, I like it. Yeah, I'll take I'll take Zeke at the back end also, but I would prefer Chubb. Ch- Chubb, he's a little bit more durable. Actually, I shouldn't say he's more durable. I like the offense more. It's more run centric. I feel like there's more yeah. opportunities for Chubb to score touchdowns than Zeke. Zeke, I mean, that offense looks phenomenal, but it didn't look running back phenomenal. It looked like they were just slinging it. They had the receivers. They were all getting open. They were putting up 50 points a game. Their defense couldn't handle it to the point where they needed to shoot out a little bit. So He's it, putting the ball on the ground a lot last year as well. He fumbled it. He had that nasty fumble streak. I don't think that happens again. That's just, you know, when mentality goes boom, it tends to happen. And, you know, misery loves company. And it, it, yep. it just ended up happening for him. That's why I'll take Chubb. Yeah, good call. It'll be, just, it'll be frustrating. If you don't have, if you have Chubb and somebody else has Hunt, it'll be a little bit frustrating because Hunt's going to get touches. He's going to get a touchdown. He's going to leech off you a little bit, but you're still going to get RB1 production. Do you want the stack? You, you can probably do it draft wise. You could. Yeah, you could. Uh, I'll, that's not the type of stack I like to go for. I like to go for a QB wide receiver stack, uh, but you yeah. definitely can. But uh, if they have a bad game or if they fall behind early in a tough division that they're already in, it could be ugly. Yeah, yeah. I, I would for the for the record, I would prefer Chubb to those guys you said as well. I, I probably have Barkley a shade ahead of him, but not enough that I've, I've points worth arguing. I would prefer Chubb to Taylor and Elliott, but to be honest, I would rather, as much as I like Chubb. If he slips to me in the back of the first all day, but I would probably rather wait and hunt. A lot, you know, it, it pains a lot of people and it frustrates a lot of people when I say, it, but Barkley's basically an OBJ. He's phenomenal when he's playing. He's just not yeah. playing very often. Maybe it's the and, curse of the Giants. Is that, is that a thing? Jimmy Hoffa bur- uh, buried under the stadium and, and he's cursed <laughs> all these Giants players and the Jets to be shit. Oh God. Uh, well, I mean, I could, I could deal with the Jets part. The Giants, come on. You can do better than that, boys. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I'll give so, you oh, oh, over under here. They over under. they won 11 games last year, 17 game season. Um the AFC North line up against the NFC North this year and they have the third place schedule in the AFC. Do the Browns A make the playoffs and do they win B more than 11 games? Yes, they make playoffs. I think they win around 11 games. I'll put them around the 12 mark, 12 to 11. Yep. About yeah, the I think same. They do as well. Yeah, I the think same. they could potentially win the division, but as we talked about with with the Bengals, I think there's going to be a lot of or between it's a, it's a tough division, but between the Steelers, the Browns, and the Ravens, I could see all of them going one and one against each other. Yes, exactly. I think unfortunately the uh, the, the Bengals are going to be the old, odd man out in that division. Yeah, and they, I mean, we we didn't really talk about this either. I don't. The Browns aren't better necessarily last year. Sometimes that's all you need. You know, a lot of teams, they get worse over the offseason. They lose a lot. 
they don't necessarily draft well and they end up becoming worse as a team. So not necessarily losing anybody is almost just as good as gaining somebody. Yep. Fair enough. I like, I, I like the Browns. I, I want to see them succeed. And I feel like after all the off season champions hype a couple of years ago, I feel like that's kind of died down a bit. I, I, I would like to see them do well. I, I just like calling them the do do Browns. So if them doing well <laughs> takes away that nickname for me, then uh, I'm against it. Let's well, I'm talk sure about it. Come up with some other uh, nickname. It's they hard. are still called the Browns. Yeah, but then it's not the same. Baltimore Ravens. I mean, they also finished 11 and 5, ninth in points for 19th in yards, 32nd passing. I'm sure you guys could have guessed that one. First in rushing. That might have been guessable also. Second in points allowed and seventh in yards allowed. That's, I should say that's second fewest points allowed. Yes. Seventh fewest yards allowed. Yeah, there we go. So, I mean, it's stout defense, stout running attack. Passing, hey, it could do a little bit better. It could do a little bit better. So, I mean, they, they beat the Titans in the wild card. And we saw the famous little stomping on the logo. Oh, my God. That was so disrespectful. I loved every second of it. So, me, me, I love disrespectful football. I like it when people don't take the high road. I like that. I want to see that type of drama. That's my type. That's my kink. Watching people I, not take the high road. I love when people get absolutely upset and offended over nothing. Oh, they stopped under the logo. It's grass. Like, what do you, what do you care? Like, chill. It's like we were talking about Elijah Moore a couple of weeks ago when he mind pissing on the other team's logo. You're like, okay, that's funny. Like, that is disrespectful. But like, you know, that who was it? T.O. spiking the ball on the star. Like, grow up. It's, it's, I like it. it's paint on grass. I like it. I like it. it. It it adds fuel to the fire. That's why I really like it when Juju did his little Corvette Corvette dances. I I, I don't think he did it right. I think he could have done it a whole lot more disrespectful. Uh, but I like that attempt. And I, so so my my take on this is is it's real easy to talk trash after the game. Yeah. But it takes real balls to do it beforehand, and that's where the fun is, or during the game, during a tie game, something like that. It, it's fun. It adds flavor to the game. It adds drama. I mean, we're over here to be entertained. I want some entertainment. I don't want to see the famous interviews where they're like, oh, you know, we're playing against a really good team. They're very good at this, this, that. But, you know, we've prepared. We're very confident in ourselves, yada, yada, yada. That's boring. You know how many interviews end up like that? We don't want to see that. Yeah, you got to be able to. Well, this is the thing. I, I love guys who talk the talk. you got to be able to back it up. you got to be able to walk the walk. And then I think if it doesn't go your way, you got to be able to cop it as well. There's so many of those guys going around in professional sport who like talk a bit of trash, like to be a bit disrespectful. Anything coming back the other day, other way, they're just the biggest sooks going around. So if you're going to be, if you're going to be, I don't know, pulling your dick out in the middle of the field and pissing on another team's logo, like go for it, but make sure you've won the game. That's all I could say. Cause otherwise, like if you're in Philly, you're not getting out of there without batteries thrown in. Nah, well, it sounds like fun. That's why I like people like Jalen Ramsey and Richard Sherman. They just talk trash. They talk, talk trash before, during, after. It's fun. I like it. It's entertainment. But well, I used to be real bad for it with cricket. You had horrible white line fever getting, getting, uh, fired up. And, uh, my dad had to take me aside and be like, you know, this is like, just, just chill the F out, right? Like, you don't have to keep yelling at guys. Like, chill. You said cricket and you lost me. No, no. Like, what does an insect have to do with fantasy football? It's one of the great sports, man. Don't you worry about it. Uh, it's an insect and it makes loud noises during the night and sometimes jumps kind of high. Um, oh, yeah. How are you doing the cicadas over there? Are they showing up? I haven't seen any of those. I don't even know what those are. Cicada. Cool. Sounds like a supervillain. Oh, sounds like John Cicada, the 90s crooner. Uh, it sounds like a supervillain in a Disney Marvel, Marvel movie. Cicada. Yeah, Cicada. I'm sure there is one. 
there probably is. Oh, All right, so the, Ra- <laughs> so the Ravens finished. I mean, 11 to 5, like I said, we, we, we rounded out the statistics a little bit. Lamar Jackson led the team with rushing with 1,005 yards. I see that happening again this year. He yep. is their RB1. If you want to target a running back on the Ravens or if you want a running back in general, just take Lamar Jackson. He's a running back, quarterback, and you could still fill up the running back slots. He is literally a cheat code. People say, oh, don't take quarterbacks early. You can get value later. He is the king of value because you get two positions in one. Uh, he gets disrespected by a lot of people because he's a quarterback. Uh, I think he's a terrible passer. I think he won't make it in the NFL for very long because he can't pass. But as a rusher and your ability to get dual points in one position, I, it's impossible to ignore. I think um, I think you're dead right. He's a guy that, you know, he's a cheat code of sorts. I think you're wrong about him being a bad passer. I think we're going to see him more as a passer this year. I think if we look at uh, what's happened to the Ravens, in the last two seasons, being bounced out of the playoffs. They struggle to win from behind. If you have a look at those two playoff games, they beat the Titans 12-5. I think they got pretty lucky there and lost to Buffalo 12-6. They need to, like, they're an all-time regular season offense. They need to be able to put up points. They need to win from behind. And Lamar needs to become, not, not needs to lose the running, uh, aspect to his game, but I think we're going to see him drop back, hit up Sammy Watkins, hit up Hollywood Brown, hit up Rashad Bateman, and start to look a, a bit more like a quarterback. He's still going to have a thousand rushing yards. He's still going to punch in, um, six, seven, eight touchdowns on the ground, maybe more, especially if he becomes a pocket passer as well, because teams aren't just going to be selling out to stop the run from him. They're not going to know what to do. And that's going to open up the game more for him as well. Still going to be that unstoppable weapon, but I think we're going to see, you know, he, he threw for less than 3,000 yards last year and 26 touchdowns. I don't know if that touchdowns number gets too much higher, but I think we're going to see him maybe top out at, at 3,500 yards this year. 3,500? Yep. Hmm. So we're that Lamar Jackson rushes for 3,500 this year or passes. I mean, sorry, sorry, pa- passing 3,500. So, ba- Baker Mayfield last year threw for 3,563, 26 touchdowns and eight picks. I think we'll see similar from, from Jackson this year. Hmm. So my uh, issue plus, plus that okay. rushing value as well. Yeah. So he, he is, in my opinion, the ideal quarterback to go after, especially in four point per passing touchdowns and six point per rushing. It's, it's, yep. it's, he's almost Josh Allen like of a cheat code because Josh Allen averages, I believe, uh, I believe it was, he got nine more touchdowns last year than any other one passing. So, I mean, if you're in a four point per passing that equals out to him throwing an extra three touchdowns, I mean, uh, the, the extra fantasy value, especially if you're losing by one point, two points per week is, uh, that's where it really kind of stands out on. But something, this, this is an interesting thing that I think a lot of people don't remember or choose to forget. And that is that the fact that Greg Roman is the offensive coordinator for the Ravens. And he has this odd thing where he revolutionizes an offense. And we saw that with Kaepernick, but it only takes two years for defenses to figure him out. He's only had two year stints with teams until he finds a new team or he gets cut the third year. And this is going to be the third year with him with the Ravens. So I don't want to say history repeats itself, but it has a knack of repeating for Greg Roman. I think it's something to think about. I think that is definitely something to think about. I think this is his chance to prove that he's not a one-trick pony. I'm not sure if he can do it, but as aware as we are of that, he surely has to be as well. Hopefully, he's not so pig-headed that he's like, not my system, that's the only way it works. Because we've seen it not work. We've seen it work really well, but we've seen it come up short in big spots. And this team is too good to be bundled out of the playoffs 
scoring 18 points across two games. This is a Super Bowl contending team. It should be. And, like, yes, the AFC is tough. Yes, they will have to go through Buffalo or Kansas City to get to the Super Bowl. But they're the equal of those teams. I mean, Mahomes, um, Allen, and Jackson are probably, well, they're certainly the three best fantasy quarterbacks of them. But you could argue they're certainly the three most watchable quarterbacks in the league. They need to give themselves a chance to win, and they're not going to do that by playing this regular season football. Dumb work. Right now, what it was, let's see, Hollywood Brown led all receivers with 769 yards. Nice by that. Eight touchdowns. <laughs> if that's your best receiver, then I I personally, I'm fading and ignoring everybody on this team other than Lamar Jackson. And, of course, the tight end, Aaron Andrews. Not Aaron Andrews. Sorry, the wrong Andrews. They're both great Andrews. But give me that tight end, <laughs> Andrews. I'll take them both, too. Andrews, Marky Andrews, but like they were both, both uh, Hollywood Brown and Andrews were inefficient last year. I think uh, Lamar was trying to get too cute. I think it was a lot of, a lot more errant passes. I mean, Hollywood Brown had 58 catches on a hundred targets and yes, he's a deep threat. Yes, they're going to be low value targets, but that's, that's, sh- that's shit out if I'm totally honest. I mean, he averaged less than 50 yards a game. Andrews was just over 50 yards a game. But they've stacked their receiver room. They've they've upgraded from Willie Sneed and and Devin Duvernay and uh, who else they got on the list is Miles Boykin. I mean, I liked Boykin, James Prochet. These guys aren't going to get in the field. Des Bryant. This year, it's going to be if they go three wide. It's going to be Hollywood Brown. It's going to be Sam, probably Sammy Watkins for a game and a half, and it's going to be uh, Rashad Bateman. That's a much better looking receiving core than uh, Jackson had last year. Maybe he's going to have more confidence throwing to those guys because they're going to be more open. There's a bit more variety to what they do. And they've got Tylan Wallace, who I think is going to be their slot receiver sooner rather than later. And he's got a good solid pair of hams, and Jackson's going to like that as well. Let's see. As I, I'm looking at passing stats, and Deshaun Watson, he attempted 544 passes last year. Somebody like Matt Ryan attempted 626. Tom Brady, 610. Ben Roethlisberger, 600. And then, and then I'm looking for... I'm looking for right now Lamar well, Jackson, it's, which it's is 376. 376. So he's 24th on the list on pass attempts. Right now, Gardner Minshew is right there, right behind him at 327. Nick Mullins for the Niners is 326. Nick Foles, out of all people, is 312. Daniel Jones is 448 for reference. Somebody on a super run heavy team like her cousins, 516. Uh, th- th- there's not enough passes thrown right I now. Agree. To support wide receivers or a plethora of wide receivers on the Ravens, which is why it's difficult to hang your hat on one because we don't even know who's going to be there. I mean, now they have St. Watkins, they drafted Bateman, they still have Hollywood Brown. There's a lot to, there's a lot of receivers and of course, Mark Andrews and, you know, they're going to run it once they're in their end zone. They're a run first team. They're going to ground and pound the ball. It's difficult. You need passing touchdowns to be productive as a, I shouldn't say that. You passing touchdowns are extremely helpful as a wide receiver. It's not going to be a, there. The issue is there's not a thousand yard receiver on the team. Exactly. And if it's all right if you're scoring like twelve, thirteen hundred yards, it's okay to be scoring four or five touchdowns. If, if like a Julio Jones type season, but these like Mark Andrews will get his share in the in the red zone. I think he's going to uh, find his range sort of where he was in 2019 more so than he was 2020 in redraft i don't want to touch any of these guys i really like bateman he was my wide receiver two in the class we've talked about that before i think he's excellent i think he's a really good fit with lamar jackson but you're right this is it's going to be hard for him to 
be a fantasy relevant wide receiver this year. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm a big dynasty guy, but for redraft, like let someone else take that Sammy Watkins bullet. Don't worry about Rashad Bay unless he starts absolutely balling out like Justin Jefferson did last year, in which case throw some fab at him and like let someone else have the issue with Hollywood Brown. Like if we look at uh, his ADP now, like he's, I think he was around the four, he was 41. And at that point, he's going just after LaVisca Chanel, just before Brandon Cooks, just before Jarvis Landry. Give me Brandon Cooks all day. I'd even say give me Corey Davis, who's going nearly two two rounds, going nearly around later. Give give me him instead of Hollywood Brown. Give me Marvin Jones. Um, even no, well, maybe not Jalen Rager. Got nah. ahead of myself there. Uh, that, maybe that's too. Actually, ooh, that's a good one. That's a good comparison. I would think I would take a Ravens wide receiver over them because just a little bit of a better offense. I'll tell you who you can give me instead of him: Henry Ruggs. And he's going much later. I like that. And I dislike it at the same. How could you say something so offensive that I agree with at the same time? Hold on. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, why not? Why not, right? Okay. Okay. I I could see it. That's That's a tough one for me to justify. I don't hate that. I don't hate that at all. But I'd rather just not be in that position. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but at that point, you're getting into high upside guys anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking about... The, the wide receiver 40 and then the, the names after um, Hollywood Brown that's like well if I don't take Holly Brown I'm looking at you know, Jalen Waddle I'm looking at Mike, or Michael Gallup at 49 oh yes please um, Marvin Jones it's, it's these sorts of guys that you're, you're looking at and if we're looking for upside then for me it's it's Henry Ruggs in fact it's Elijah Moore at, at the wide receiver 72 I think he's going to be more value as a rookie this year than um, Hollywood Brown will be uh, or, or even Rashad Bateman Bateman's going a, a good deal earlier than him mm-hmm. okay so let's recap Lamar Jackson go for him Mark Andrews go for him the rest will let somebody else make that mistake Receivers, I think absolutely, but we, we've not touched on, um, the two running backs, uh, so, Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins would be the only one I would like. I feel like Gus Edwards, he'll, he, he's a poor man's Kareem Hunt. He, he's gonna get touches. That's he's gonna get, role. no, no, that's perfect. That's perfect. He's a poor man's Kareem Hunt. It's literally it's Walmart. Poor man something. It's, I, I, Walmart think, uh, Hunt. They, well, they're, they're two different sorts of players to begin with. That was uh, yeah. that was more that I was going for. Yeah. In in that Edwards is you know he's your your standard guy and and hunts your PBR guy if you like. I think um, Gus Edwards RB forty four at the moment. Like if you're taking him in the the late rounds of your draft, uh, I think there's there's not a massive ceiling there. But he's the sort of guy who might get you seventy yards and a touchdown. You know he's going to get work. I think he's never had fewer than seven hundred yards in a season, but he's also never had more than seven hundred and twenty five. That's, uh, I feel like when you take him, you should anticipate him being a handcuff. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a startable handcuff depending on matchup. Like he's, he's like, you know, you're in a bye week and you're like, oh, am I going to go, um, Damian Harris or, um, let's say Damian Harris or JD McKissick or Gus Edwards and hope for a touchdown. I would probably take Edwards and they're, they're the guys he's going around. He's going. A, a bit later than Harris, but he's going before McKissick. Okay, that's fair. I could get with that. I can get behind that. But I would still rather only go for J.K. Dobbins. And then after that, I feel like he'd have to significantly drop for me to want that. I think Dobbins is expensive for what he is. Like, it, he's the, the RB15. Would, would you rather him or Mixon? Ooh, give me a mate. Oh, J.K. Dobbins. Uh, him no, or Antonio Gibson. J.K. Dobbins. I, I, I'm... 
I'm fading Antonio Gibson. That's going to hurt a lot of people's feelings, but I will be fading Gibson. Uh, Clyde Edwards Elaire. Clyde. No. I'd probably take him too. Yeah, I'd probably take Clyde too. They're going consecutive picks according to this data. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the schedule favors Clyde so much more. The Raiders, Chargers, and the Broncos run defense is definitely significantly worse in this division. I think that's going to have to be the tiebreaker for me. Yeah, and I think we've talked about it before. There's going to be touchdown vulturing. And this is the thing about Dobbins is I, I he's going to get vultured from two directions with Edwards and uh, and Jackson, which I, I don't think... You know, I think we're going to see Dobbins get the fewest of the uh, the red zone looks of the, let's say, the three running backs there. I, know, I can't forget about Mandrews, Aaron Mandrews over there. <laughs> I keep thinking. I think of Andrews. I think Aaron Andrews. It's like, I don't, I don't know how that happened, but... My mind is fixated on there. Little boy, Mandrews, he's going to get his touchdowns also. So I, uh, there's a lot of touchdown vultures on that team. Let's just uh, take a quick look at the depth chart here to see who is there. Oh, they've still got um, Justice Hill there. Still yes. got Tyson Williams. Still Poor got guy. Yeah. No, uh, Hill might be something. None of those other guys are, are anything worth looking at. They did draft a, uh, a fullback slash tight end. Congratulations to him. I mean, uh, is is Robert Drippin the third still on that team? Uh, no, he is not. He nah. is, uh, he is elsewhere. They, yeah, uh, they drafted right. Ben Mason. There you go. Fullback tight end. Ben Mason. Um, wow. In, in terms of Andrews, just before we wrap up on, uh, on the okay. Ravens here, the dirty birds. Oh, that's the Falcons, isn't it? Um, would you rather Andrews or TJ Hawkinson? Andrews. Kyle Pitts? Andrews. Robert Tunyon? Andrews. Is Andrews in that, is he in that elite bracket with, um, he's almost, he's like Kittle, Kittle Kelsey and Waller? He, he, he's like the guardian of the gates. Like, he's a security guard for them. He makes sure nobody enters their gates. I, I love George Kittle. I'm going to go out and limb and say I'd rather mark Andrews. For the price you're paying for the two of them, giving Andrews a few rounds later and, and the, the lack of injury worry. The problem with Kittle is he could win you a week. He just needs one catch and he could win you a week. Andrews can't do yes. that. Yeah, true. Andrews is bloody good, man. He's like good. Him. He's consistent. You know, he's going to get his targets. He's going to get his looks. Kittle, he, he plays immensely physical. And, uh, unfortunately physical, like Debo Samuel and himself, they play very physical type of running. And unfortunately, when that happens, you get injured. It's the problem with those rack guys, man. Yeah. The little rack boys, the little rack, uh, the, the, the rack brothers. There we go. That was the name. All right. Let's go. Let's go <laughs> to the Steelers. Let's go to the right. Steelers. The fun one. Little walking boot, little walking boot, little Rothless burger going 12 and four after starting the season 11 and 0, I believe. Kenny, yes, Kenny, Kenny, yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. 12 points for 24th in yards, led the league in passing attempts, 15th in passing yards, last in rushing yards. James Conner, absolutely disappointing everybody. Third in points. I mean, won, won the first 11 games and then barely happened to get to the wild card. James Conner led the team with 721 yards, six touchdowns. He was absolutely disappointing. He was one of the most dis- disappointing players I've ever seen. And it was his fit week one when he got taken out. I believe it was against the Giants. He threw a little fit after they gave him the worst run call possible. And they took him out of the game for the rest of the game. He was still healthy. They took him out. And, uh, th- that represents this whole season. I remember that. And I was very disappointed because I, uh, I had James Conner that year. Their line was so bad. The, uh, so bad. Conner averaged 4.3 yards per attempt, which is pretty good considering how bad it was. And the, the guys behind him, Benny and the Jets, Snell and, uh, Anthony McFarlane, they only averaged 3.3 and 3.4. So I think there's still some juice in the tank for Conner. Yes, he's got his injuries, pro- injury problems, but he's a, he's going to be a good get for Arizona. Uh, I think he'll be good. 
Yeah, I don't think he'd be phenomenal. He's what they need. You need a little chain mover. That's what you call him. You call him a chain mover. He goes there, he gets you the first down. Nothing too crazy. He's going to be better than Frank Gore. You know, Frank Gore, if you need three yards, he'll get you three yards. If you need eight yards, he gets you three yards. Yeah, I, yeah, think, I think he's he, a little bit better version of that. And he's going to be cheaper for the exact same role that, that Kenyon Drake had last year, which was a lot of red zone work. In fact, I'd be um not targeting Connor necessarily, but... You know, middle rounds of the draft, it's, the cupboard's pretty bare these days at, uh, at running back. And yeah, there's worse players around than James Conner. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to agree with you there. Deontay Johnson, when he's not dropping the ball, he's leading the receivers with 923 yards. Chase Claypool scored the second most receiving touchdowns with nine. Now, there was a significant difference from the Steelers when Chase Claypool is getting involved and when he's not involved. There are two different teams when he is not involved in that offense. They need to get Chase Claypool involved. He is the receiver I will be targeting in redraft leagues. I think he's phenomenal, big, physical guy, speedy. He's got some finesse to him. I think he's just an all-around phenomenal player. I will take Chase Claypool out of all three, all the receivers on this team. I mean, he and Juju are going consecutive picks at the moment. Um, I lean towards Juju. He's a guy I want to buy in Dynasty. I think that he's got a lot to prove. I think he's got... well. Claypool is obviously the athletic freak, but I think Juju is is an excellent receiver. As you say, Johnson had the drops issue. I really like Johnson as well, but I think Juju is just a he's special. And from what I expect to see from the Steelers this year, which is you know Big Ben being Big Breeze, these quick passing, short underneath work, that's where. Uh, Juju's going to make his money and he's not going to be the A receiver anymore because Chase Claypool's there, because Deontay Johnson's there. So he might see some softer coverage than he has in the past. Obviously, if you want ceiling, then Chase Claypool is the guy. But I like I like Juju. I like Juju. Uh, I don't know. Juju. He had nearly 100 catches last year. Like, people thought he was shit, and he had nearly 100 catches. Yes, but they also threw the ball over 600 times, damn near 700. Like, if you don't have 100 catches with that type of target share and that potential target share, it, that, that, that's more, like, kind of only 100 at that point. He had uh, 97 catches on 128 targets. That's not too bad. Compared to Johnson, who was 144 and 88, and uh, Claypool, who was 62 on 109. Yeah, I would like Claypool to see if elevate his numbers. I think we've seen what Juju can and, do, and he's not a number and, one wide receiver. And Juju had nine receiving touchdowns as well, so he he led them in receptions and in touchdowns. I uh, yeah, but I think uh, I think every game they've lost, the Steelers, I should say. Uh, Claypool was not involved in that offense. I mean, we saw them completely blunder Monday Night Football against the Bengals where we talked about earlier where they lost. And Chase Claypool had, what, 30 yards that game off one catch. And that was because of a little broken screen pass that happened. He happened to go across the sideline for it. He he needs to get involved. And I think I would anticipate the Steelers realize that and especially them needing a running game. I think there's going to be a little bit less of a target share for everybody considering now Najee Harris is going to be there. I expect him to be definitely a step up in the running game and uh, and it's safe to say he's going to be the RB1 because of how disappointing yeah. the running backs were last year that they would be pretty silly to not involve him and not make sure he's the number one RB there. Well, they, they spent a first round pick on him. So yeah, you better. Like you he's, better. he's going to be a three down guy for the most of the time. I'm sure they'll have Benny Snell or McFarlane or whoever to, to spell him at times. They won't want to be uh, running him 
into the big defensive tackles and slamming him into the teeth of the defense over and over. Um, but you're right, he's going to be a three-down guy for them. And I think with him there, we're going to see probably reduction in volume, but ideally an increase in efficiency, better quality targets, um, guys with a chance to make a play uh, as opposed to um, the, the shit we saw from Ben last year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, see, as my train of thought completely leaves me again, a guy who interests me for them, as you're uh, regathering your thoughts, there's Pat Frymouth. He they picked him in the uh, the second round. I think before the end of the season, he's going to have displaced Eric Ebron uh, as their their starting tight end. He's they they nicknamed him Baby Gronk. I think that's a little bit excessive, but he's um, he's a guy to watch probably in the back half of the season in redraft. A guy that should be decent in tight end premium leagues in uh, in years to come in dynasty leagues sort of guy you park on your taxi squad this year. But I think there's um there's a lot to like about him and, and you know, Juju's back on a one year deal as much as I like him. I think this is his last season in, in Pittsburgh. We did say that last year. Um but I think Frymouth could easily be that that third string pass catcher for them uh, in a slightly more balanced offense uh, in the, the post Big Ben world. Yeah, I would like to see something like that uh, to go back on Najee Harris. I mean, he could be, yeah, he is the first run RB, but he could be a Rashad Penny. He could be a Trent Williams or Trent Richardson and, you know, kind of blow up in everybody's faces. But I mean, I'm not anticipating it. I think the offensive line has been upgraded a little bit. I just don't see it being too much of an upgrade for me to justify or I shouldn't say justify, but for me to say that there's going to be immense recovery in the running back position. I mean, what's, do you know, do you happen to have Nishi Harris's ADP in a redraft? I, I certainly do. Yeah. He's going at the two, three turn. He's, he's, um, around exactly the same spot as, uh, Mixon, as Dobbins, as Edwards Alaire, as, uh, Edwards Alaire, okay. Miles Sanders a little bit later. So, okay, we, so which of those, well, we, we've done the either or there. Would you rather Najee Harris or, um, uh, J.K. Dobbins. Ah, I'll take probably J.K. Dobbins. I like proven talent, especially in the running back position. You need a little bit more consistency there. Yeah, I'm I'm normally the same. Um, I I couldn't say what I would do absolutely if I'm on the clock here, but I would be interested in Harris's upside compared to Edwards Alaire, who I mean we saw some saw some good from him last year, we saw some bad. Um, we saw about what I expected from him, if I'm totally honest. Um, and you know. Harris might give you 16 games of consistency without the the searing heights, but certainly without the the dizzying lows as well. Yeah, uh, I mean it's interesting. You can kind of go with any of them and not feel too bad. I mean, Othenji Harris is definitely upside. He seems like he's going to be the only one for that role. He just has to be semi decent, which I don't think is going to be too difficult. Uh, J.K. Dobbins consistency. You know, he's going to get touches, going to get red zone work. Uh, and then you mentioned Clyde, you're on the best offense. You better be productive on the best offense. His issue is touchdowns. He was pretty productive from the twenties on in. It's just, he, he needed the touchdowns to really seal his fantasy production. If he does that, then, well, I mean, he's going to be an RB1. The problem is, is it doesn't look like he's going to be able to do that. I mean, we talked about the Ravens as a team that should be contending for the, the Super Bowl. The Steelers are the same. And like the Ravens aren't going to be that without Jackson becoming a better pocket passer, the Steelers aren't going to compete without getting Najee Harris work through the air and on the ground and taking some of the pressure off Ben Roethlisberger. Um, and I think they're going to see that. And I think that's good news for Harris owners. You know, the often I think we see rookie running backs start well rather than grow into a role overseen, particularly if they start off as the starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so Harris might be one of those guys that if he has a couple of big weeks early and then maybe quietens off that you look to trade before the trade deadline. Um, but, you know, 
I, I'm not sure I'd want him as my RB1, uh, but perhaps depending how the picks fall, uh, you could do worse than him. Yeah, let's see. If he's, if he's going on the turn of the third round, that means you had an early first round pick. That means you probably took like a Alvin Kamara. Yeah, you, you could have taken like- the two, three turn. Yeah, so let's assume, you know, if we're going straight up ADP, that means you have Christian McCaffrey and Najee Harris. That's a solid one-two punch, especially if, like he said, he does phenomenal or very good in the first couple of weeks. Then uh, you could trade for two wide receivers at that point. I think that would be my sell price. You could walk off after uh with the 101, taking Christian McCaffrey. You take Najee Harris and Justin Jefferson or AJ Brown as your first three picks off the board. Yeah. Do you feel more confident? Let's let's say you take um, AJ Brown there. I think he's a shade above Jefferson. Okay. If you I'm if you've you. got McCaffrey, do you feel more confident with Mixon, Harris, Edwards Alaire, or because you have McCaffrey, conceivably that premium talent? Do you want you know? Are, are you happier with Harris? I'm fine with that. Yeah, I, c- I could get over. It. I could get over it, but I'd probably still take Ceh. I'd still probably take Ceh. In that yeah. scenario, I think, I think you take yourself McCaffrey, you have CEH in your RB2 spot. I think you're looking good. I think, especially with AJ Brown as your wide receiver one, you're looking pretty good. Get yourself a little Josh Allen maybe in the fourth. If he lasts that long, then you, you have some of the best in that position in your starting lineup. Yeah. For what it's, what it's worth there. And I didn't give you that option. I would be taking uh, Jefferson and, and AJ Brown double tap at receiver. Thanks for coming. Oh, that's right. Since, since you had the turn, you have that ability to double tap. Okay. Yeah. You take both. Oh, oh, your team looking good. I, uh, I'm a junkie for early elite receivers and, um, uh, waiver wire running backs. Uh, I'm personally the opposite. I'm personally the opposite. I like, I like I, running backs are so hard and they're stressful. Str- running backs I, are stressful. I try and force myself to go running back, running back, running back, but all I really want is receivers. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I don't blame you on that one, but all right. So to recap the Steelers, Naheem Harris, you go for it. Roethlisberger, he's definitely fell off a little bit. Some people might say he fell off a cliff. Well, that's, you know, maybe he walking boot over to that cliff, but the talent drop off a little bit. But when you're throwing the ball 600, 700, damn near 700 times a game, you're going to have some production, especially in the wide receiver position. You can kind of take any of them in that spot. Dante Harris, Claypool, Juju. And is this kind of like the Steelers? I mean, not the Steelers, the Bengals, where, you know, you just have a plethora of receivers. So you might as well go with the cheapest option. Yeah. Well, I suppose unlike the Bengals, where we're saying that, like, stay away because we don't know who's going to be relevant. We don't know who's going to be the guy. I feel like this offense can sustain two receivers a week, at, at least, as well as a as well as a running back. So I'm I'm probably happier at this point to take any of the Steelers receivers than I would any of the best Bengals receiver. Yeah. Right now, if I had to rank the dual wide receiver position where they could support, I'd probably have to go Rams, Cowboys, Steelers. Chiefs. Chiefs. Uh, you know, Although the Chiefs honest, are weird because they, they don't, don't really have a, a wide receiver too. That's why no. I'm- uh, That's, okay, Kelsey is the wide receiver too. Oh yeah, he's the wide receiver one, I suppose. They're, he's he's their number one option. Obviously, they have Hill. That's why I'm uh, I'm keen on. I forget his name. That's okay. Uh, uh, Cornell Powell. Yeah, later in dynasty drafts, I think he's going to uh-huh. be their wide receiver three. Yeah. Now I'm just looking at the ADP here because I'm sure. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, we we've talked about him already. T Higgins is going just after Deontay Johnson. That's that feels right to me. Okay, that's the yeah. Like, I'd rather have Deontay Johnson. That's Would fair. Would rather have Deontay Johnson or Adam Thielen? Ooh, give me Thielen Deontay or- Johnson. Oh really? I was going to say Thielen. Thielen yeah. for me. Thielen. Uh, DJ Moore. Deontay. Deontay. Kenny Galladay. Uh, what's what's Galladay's ADP? 
60 at the moment. Okay, so basically late 5th, depending Tail on... the 5th. Yeah, okay. Ooh, you know, I like Galladay. I like Galladay a lot. I like but, him the back end of the 5th round. Yeah, I like him there. Okay, give me um, Galladay. And, and then the other ones, as, as we've talked about, Claypool and, and Smith-Schuster are going just ahead of uh, Chuck, Beckham, Boyd, Cortland, Sutton. They're all in that kind of... I, I'll take both of them there. before any of them. I would take Claypool over Jamar Chase, Tyler Lockett, Brandon Ayuk, who are all going ahead of him. Yeah, I can go with that. I can get behind that. I like uh, Claypool before all of them. Ayuk would be the next most enticing option, mostly just because of the offense he's in and the coordinator or the head coach, I should say. But yeah, Claypool over all of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good talk. Good talk. I, I'm going to get me some Chase, Chase Claypool this year. I didn't have any last year. Yeah. Get there. Uh-huh. There we go. I like that one. A lot of people thought he was hype after his four touchdown, but he, he, he was productive all year long. He, he made a lot of teams fantasy, a lot of fantasy teams a whole lot better with him there. Well, you're right. The Steelers look better when they were using, they especially look better than him when their red zone game was running through him. Even if that was on end arounds and, and jet sweeps and these sorts of things, he, it just looks like the sort of guy who's going to give defensive coordinators nightmares. And they're the guys you want the, the ball in the hands of. Yeah. Whenever they lost, he just was not getting the ball. You could look at games where he lost and you could look at his stats. It goes hand in hand. Let, let's have a look at that. I mean, I've got nowhere else go. to be. I do have, I do have other places to be. Yeah. It's but, like, it's like, uh, it's like, Two in the morning where you are right now. Yeah, just coming up on two two thirty. But you know, we're talking about Chase Claypool. That's that can wait for for yeah the tick the TikTok star Chase Claypool. Right. Let's have a let's have a look here. As okay. you say, he had big games in the wins, and then back into the season, very disappointing. Although he only topped a hundred yards once in a game last year. It's the touchdowns. His touchdowns. Uh, the he only, touchdowns fact, really elevate. So the last one, the last win. Of their streak that they had, um, or in that that back end, that back end of the season, he didn't score a touchdown until the playoffs, where he had five for one hundred and one and one. But those See? um those last five games where they uh, they didn't win a game or four games, my maths might be out. He um didn't have more than six catches, didn't have a touchdown, didn't have more than fifty four yards. See, see, it's I'm telling you, like it, I don't speak fake news. I speak facts. There's like fifty thousand I mean, languages in the world. He, I speak. He facts. also had. One for minus two in a game they won. So that was an important no, minus I, two. I'm, I'm with you. They, they look a better team when they get the ball in his hands. Um, but I think Roethlisberger down the stretch just wasn't that same quarterback. He wasn't able to to throw the balls that that Claypool needed. And there, uh, Randy Feekner, what his name was, was just a crab. But they've replaced him now with uh, with Matt Canada. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, anything from Canada isn't good. Can't expect yeah, him Canada, to be man. good. I blame Canada for everything. There. Well, why, why is, you know, why is my stocks going down today? Canada. Why didn't I get into AMC today? Canada. Yeah, you sure it wasn't because you didn't have your mask? Uh, no, that's what are the 5G is you... for. <laughs> nice. There well, we go. On that, as we said, it's 2.30 in the morning, man. I'm going to have to pull the pin on this AFC North deep yeah. dive. Yeah. I hope our to... listeners have enjoyed it. I've certainly enjoyed talking about it. Okay. Well, hopefully you enjoyed it. Of course, you can follow the show at SleeperWire on Twitter. You can get live updates. You can see my beautiful face. And Sheehan's, of course, that is a whole lot more beautiful than mine. And, of course, Sheehan, let everybody know where they can find you. Yeah, you can uh, 
come and cash me outside. How about that on Twitter? I'm at Sheehan Solo. Um, not doing a lot on there at the moment, but obviously come and, uh, come and see what we're up to. We've got a great series of, uh, these divisional breakdowns coming out, uh, from our man Aaron Nyhart. So he's going to be breaking those down. They'll be going up on our Sleepwire channels. And if I get my act into gear, I will, uh, be publishing an article that I've written about, uh, Creed and the Cowboys. So if you like bad 90s rock, also tune in for that one. But, um, that's me, man, the number one Australian fantasy football analyst. Keep, uh, keep sailing till it's true. I believe it, true. I believe it. Of course, you can follow me at top tier tactics underscore, uh, or you can not. I prefer you not. And but just remember, there's 50,000 languages in the world. I only speak facts. Other than that, good luck, everybody.